0: Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. You call this message loyalty, right? So if you guys want to kind of understand where I'm at in the Bible, if you go to 2 Timothy, you can follow along. We're not going to go through the entire book of the Bible. We're going to stay pretty much lock of step with what's going on in 2 Timothy. Um, And I want to give you a little bit of background to, to what is 2 Timothy, right? So that's Paul's last epistle. Right. So he wrote it from jail in chains and, and he written he had it scribed for him, right? He's in chains, really can't write, the lights bad. So you gotta think. Somebody at the stature, an apostle like Paul, right, who is in his last days, has looming death, right? You might want to listen to what the guy has to say. You might wanna you might wanna dig in that one a little bit deeper than you dig in some of the others, right? Because because when you're at the end of your race. Right? I'm not at the end of my race, right? I think we'll all know when we're at the end of the race. Paul knew he was at the end of his race. And he's like, man, before I get to the end of his race, I need to, I need to write this one more letter. Right. And I need to get this out to Timothy. So let's get let's dig into that before we get too long. And you gotta understand, he's writing to Timothy, but he's speaking to the church. Right? And so so to unpack that a little bit, we've we've had, if you guys are listening to what people are saying when they're up here, we're gonna this is pretty wild, right? We're talking about Tim talked about it, right? We're all one accord, right? This is the body of Christ. You can, you can name it. We're the vine. He called us the vine in that message, right? That vine is us. The vine, being part of that vine is you're grafted in with God. It's all, it's all one and the same thing. And with that church, he's specifically talking about the afflictions in a church, right? And then he's talking about the activities of and the allegiance to the church, right? And, and this is Paul writing to Timothy. So I need you to kind of grasp that before we dig into this. And before we can do that, we need to define a little bit. What is a church, right? So if you look at, let's go, let's go up here. So if you look at 1 Peter, these are metaphors in the Bible for a church. He called it a holy nation and a priesthood. Then you go to Revelations, it calls a kingdom. Hey, we just got the message from Vine, right? That was in another scripture, not even this one. Um, John calls it a vine. The temple is in Ephesians. Assembly in Hebrews. A flock in First Peter. A family in First Timothy. And a body in Corinthians 12, 12, right? And I'm going to focus on the body because here here I'm Anthony, right? He introduced me as Anthony. So so this this hand is who? Anthony, right? My chest, Anthony, my heart, Anthony, my liver, right? My head? Anthony. Who's the head of the body? Christ, right? Jesus Christ is the head and we are part of the body. Is the body share any different name than what is that of the head? No, it doesn't. Let that sink in for a little bit. When you're walking, you're walking. When you're thinking about, oh, I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I can't do it. You don't understand. I, yeah, I get he parted the Red Sea. That was for them. This is about me right now. This is about what I'm walking through. This is about what my journey is. This is about the struggle in my life. Are you not the same as the head? Is my hand not part of my head? Am I not all Anthony when I'm up here talking? Is this body not all Christ? So you really think you don't have the power? You really think you don't have... You're not worthy of it? Is that, is that... I mean, can you can't have both, right? You can't be the body of and then say, oh, I don't need that part. That's not important to me. It's all important to me. I want to keep this all together, especially the beard. We just talked about that. <laughs> all right. So I'm getting off track here. But you got to think, so what is a holy nation? It's a citizenship. All right? Being a priesthood gives us direct access to God. A kingdom is... A part of submission. When you're part of king, a kingdom, right, you have a king, and what do you got to do to a king? You got to submit to him, right? And then the vine, what does the vine do? Get us all connection, right? And the temple was built on what? It's built on a firm foundation, right, just like Christ. He built the foundation. He was the cornerstone to the foundation that we're building our lives and his building on top of. That's a whole other sermon in itself. Um, the assembly is because we were called, right? We were called. Together, so you, when you when you have an assembly, you are calling people together, and they assemble. They don't assemble just miraculously, and you just oh hey, there's a field we're going to go gather. Somebody's calling them to that to build an assembly, and we are led, just like a flock. We have a shepherd, right? We have a shepherd in Christ. We have a shepherd of this church that did a nice introduction for me, and he is shepherding shepherds. He doesn't give milk up here, guys. This is solid food. This is where you know I you know I kind of chuckle a little bit when we when we got a, a new believer that walks in because it is. It's full-blown, right? It is, you don't get the Gerber stages, one, two, three, right? It is full load, cram in, and you just you got to gotta swallow it. And it takes a minute sometimes to digest. All right, and then the, the family is because we're intimate, right? And the, and the body, right? The body is the dependency on the head, right? How do you kill a zombie in the movies, right? You cut the head off. Nothing else works, right? So that, you got to be dependent on the head. You can't have it. I don't think you're supposed to preach about zombies, but hey, it's not... You know, too late now, I got the mic. <laughs> so, all right. So we're going to talk about the afflictions of the church, right? So again, starting in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And guys, like, this, this isn't short, so just buckle up. Let's roll, okay? Um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promises of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, you can might as well say to the church, right? We just talked about that. A beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers, night and day. We talked about ceasing earlier, didn't we? Ceasing in prayers, right? Sounds like we pray 24-7 prayer. That's what you gotta be. No, I'm joking. We'll get to that in a sec too. Um, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. I wanna call out mercy. That's why it's highlighted in blue. Do you realize when Paul writes to preachers, He adds the word mercy, right? His intros are very similar to all his letters, but he adds mercy. Why do you think that is? Maybe because the pastor of this church deserves some mercy on your behalf because they live their life in a fishbowl, and everybody thinks they should have it together 24-7 all the time. And guess what? They have trials. They have afflictions. They have tribulations. They have persecution. All for the glory of God. So I think... When you start to put on your hat of judgment and you start to compare lives and you start to compare, I think Kate talked about somebody talking to him about driving in his convertible, just check yourself a little bit. Why don't we look in the mirror? Why don't we have some mercy for the man that is spending his days leading us to get closer to God and truly leading this congregation with the Holy Spirit? And going back to prayers, right? It is the engine of the church, right? to the engine. Absolutely. There we go. Okay. So you can't, you can't have one without the other. This is not a buffet guys. We'll learn more about why it's not a buffet. Um, and so when I guarantee when Paul's praying here, he's praying with fervor, right? It's a, he's intent. He's intent. If you got Paul praying for you, Hey, that's a, that's a check in the right direction. That's what I can tell you right there. All right, let's take it a step further. So moving on in 2 Timothy, I remember you in genuine faith, for you share the faith that you first filled, your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan the flames of spiritual, the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, fan into flames. What is he trying to say to him right there? What does that mean? When you fan something into flames, what are you trying to do? Trying to make it bigger, right? Trying to make it better, bolder, more powerful, more warmth, right? Let's coincide that with practice. Uh Uh-oh. Now we just said Christianity's work, right? That's basically exactly what I said. Christianity is not a path of perfection. It's a path of diligence, and you have to work at it. You have to work at your prayer If You've got to practice it. If you want to be in an outreach program, you better start reaching out and practicing reaching out. You're not going to step over here and then jump into something great. I think Kay did a whole message on that. You've got to be valuable, and you've got to be honest, and you've got to have with integrity the small things that God gave you before he's going to level you up and give you something bigger. And you have to fan that into flames. You have to work at it. You have to work at it, guys. It's not, it doesn't, it's not easy. Right if if the the christianity box of being easy you're you're in the wrong you're not in the wrong service you're probably in the wrong church guys this is not he said it in the message this is not how we roll right this is not feel good hey we're all covered by grace we're going to go over here grace is enough and we are not going to do anything about our transgressions we're not going to worry about our sins we're not going to worry about repentance we're not going to worry about legalism that was in, that was in the old testament or in the new testament we can do nothing wrong We are saved by grace. I can do whatever I want outside of here. And as long as I have Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I'm going to heaven in the end. And it doesn't matter how I live my life as soon as I walk out that door. Not how that works, right? It's really not. And then if you're over here on the legalism side, I can do everything and anything. I can follow this to a T in my own power. I can make my way to heaven. That doesn't sound too good either. So somewhere in the middle, right? All right. So fanning into flames. He's telling you to practice, right? You got to practice, guys. All right. So... Moving on. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That's why we titled this whole section of the afflictions of the church, right? So, guys, you can be a closet Christian and probably not deal with many afflictions. If you want to be bold, if you want to be adamant, if you want to be pushing the word of God, if you want to be sharing the testimony, and sharing the good word, afflictions are going to come your way. And afflictions aren't fun. afflictions aren't easy. Let's go to Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42. Because the Lord himself said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. In John 16, 33, this is a little bit of Anthony paraphrasing. The world is going to suck, but you're welcome. I have overcome the world. Right? Almost like a Moana thing. There you are. You're laughing in the front row, right? It's like, thank you. You're welcome. Now you've got to have that song in your head. If you don't have kids, I'm sorry. Um, if the world hates you, tough snot. It hated me before it hated you. It's a little bit of paraphrasing by me, but it's in John 15, 18, right? And, guys, I have. sorry, I've got to quote everything. I have to because there's a gentleman in the back, Kurt, who will bust my chops as soon as I leave here if I don't give the address to anything. I'm telling you right now. So, <laughs> let's go. He's like, he knows it too. He's like, oh, I'm getting called out now. Here we go. Here we go. All right. right, First Second Timothy 9.10. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. Let that one sink in for a minute. That's, that's, that's tough to swallow, right? It really is. Um, to show us his grace, through Christ Jesus, and now He has made all of this plain to us by appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. I think we sang a whole song about breaking death off, right? I'm pretty sure. I, I think Beth did a fantastic job on that too, personally. But look at that. He called us before the beginning of time, right? Let's talk about callings for just a second. Um, man, we can go over to Ephesians 1.4. For he chose us unto him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. All right, so it's not just here. It's also in the book of Ephesians. Okay? There is nothing in one scripture that you can't find corresponding in another scripture. There's nothing in the New Testament that you can't find prelude to in the Old Testament. It is, it, it, You cannot grab bits and pieces of the Bible and just own it as that's the thing. And you can't read the whole Bible and absorb it and start cross-referencing everything and not step back in awe of how much this book that was written over, you know, a 2 to 4000 year period however you want to phrase it is all tied together so seamlessly and flawlessly it's absolutely amazing it's almost like god himself wrote it <laughs> so sometimes that calling thing we struggled right i don't know what my calling is i hear that a lot right i hear that a lot and i hear that a lot cuz i've said it a lot and and it's not and it's not uh it's not that it's not that i don't know what my calling is it's that i don't like it <laughs> um is I'm not good at that stuff, right? I'm not. Uh, my wife had, to, and I've been a mess lately, guys. I'm trying really hard to hold it together. I've been a mess. I was, I was driving down the road crying, talking to my wife yesterday because I was like, I didn't ask for this. I don't, I don't, I don't want this. And I'm like, you know, and this, this is where I'm at, guys. Like, in, I'm, you guys can pretend. I'm just as broken and messed up as everybody else. Um, but God, God saved me, right? God's good to me. And I, I know where I stand in Christ. Yeah, it's not a question. I don't think, oh, am I in good standing in Christ? Yes, I absolutely am good standing with Christ, guys. I plan on staying that way. Doesn't mean I don't get pulled. Doesn't mean I don't get tugged. Doesn't mean I don't act like a spoiled brat. And I'll explain my spoiled bratness here in a minute because the calling on my life, and I haven't even uttered it out loud, I know what it is. I know what it is for a long time. And I'm like, all right, hey, and guys that I haven't talked to, business partners that I've had um, in the past, And I was texting them because I saw something that thought of them and they responded. You know, they'd ask, how's works going? And I'm like, hey, works work. And they were like, hey, you should do this. I'm like, why would would you say that? He's like, I don't know just popped in my head, and I thought I'd text it to you. I'm like, okay. And then I walk through these things, right, and I see all of these little staples saying, oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. I get a message from somebody in here that correlates to exactly something that I'm, that I'm running away from. I'm like, no, God, that's not confirmation. I want the well to suck me up and spit me into my calling, and then, and then I'll know, and then I try not to travel near the Gulf Coast just in case there is a well there, right? But that's the level I'm at, right? I get that way sometimes. And, it's, and it, it's not easy. It's that last 10%. He didn't even know what I was talking about. He called me out before I got started. <laughs> How's that for being rebuked? Right before you get to give the message, you're already getting rebuked by the lead pastor. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Enough about that. Eleven, twelve. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. That gummit, there's that suffering stuff again. But I'm not ashamed. Because I know him who I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what he has been entrusted to me until that day. This is where we're going to prove we did not talk about. This is a direct correlation to what you spoke about when we got up here. Oh, goodness gracious. Not ashamed. Why does does he keep talking about being not ashamed? If you go back to Romans 1.16, he says, for I am not ashamed. Why does he keep talking? Why does Paul always mention he's not ashamed? He's not ashamed. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out maybe. Um, and this is what I want you to really, really, really key on. Because I know whom I have believed. How many people have you asked, hey, what do you believe? Doesn't matter what I believe. The what is not important. It's the whom that's important. It is not the what. It is the whom. It's not about religious rules. It's about the resurrection of Christ. Which, if anybody's keeping track, there's an anniversary of that coming up. I don't want to spoil anything, but just maybe it's around the corner. All right. So this, in, this uh, entrusted to me, right, committed to you. Let's call this deposited, right? So we're depositing something. He deposited to us, right? So he's talking about the ties to where, hey, we're giving a little. He's going to give a lot. That's the reciprocity. Right? So we're going to go in direct correlation to that. He did a lot, so we are debtors to Christ. And he expects actually very little in the grand scheme of things. Right? So so we, sorry, guys, we owe him. We do. We owe him. You know why? Because Because if you go back to the beginning of time, God gave us dominion over this earth. We didn't need Jesus Christ. We didn't. But I don't know if it was five days in. I don't know if it was two years in. I don't know if it's 100 years. In, I have no idea. But one day we decided, you know what? We know better. And then boom, just like that, we gave the entire, entire world over to Satan. And he had to send his son to go clean up our mess, right? And here's, here's where this gets really cool, right? So we're heirs with Christ, that's a whole message in itself. I'm trying not to distract because we're getting a lot of bunny trails. And the whole point of this, this is going to resonate with somebody's spirit. This is going to resonate to where you're going back, and you're going to research this, and you're going to look at this, and you're going to say, oh, my gosh. Not only was that true, but look at all this other stuff. I found this so cool. God can raise us up, but we cannot pull him down. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that for a minute. All right, we'll keep going. Hold fast. All right, just be honest, I highlight that one from my dad. All right, (laughs) the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me. In faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. All right, so a lot of times, a lot of times, choosing to not do anything is still a decision. Indecision's dangerous. Indecision, you're not listening to God. Indecision is when things get dangerous. When you are holding fast, when you know God puts you in a parking lot and you are holding, you're not waiting on the Lord. You're in obedience to the Lord. Let me get that straight, right? God didn't put us here to wait on him, but he did put us here to be obedient to him, right? And here's the other thing, guys. We are fully capable of slowing God's plans down. We are 100% incapable of speeding God's plans up. If you don't believe me, go to the Old Testament. Look at the Jews. Look at Moses. He had hung out in the desert for 40 years because he wouldn't do it God's way, and then the Jews had to go hang out in the desert for 40 more years because they didn't want to do it God's way, you can slow it down, but he's still gonna, his will's still going to be done. It's still going to be done. You can't speed him up, but you can dang sure slow him down. And the best way you can slow him down is by trying to speed him up. So if he tells you to hold fast, <laughs> you probably better do it. All right, lost my spot. Faith and love, right? So he's talking about faith and love with you, and that's almost where we're talking about truth and love, right? Truth and love. When you become, this is where I noticed, like when you become a new Christian, you're all fervent and everything. You just want to, you just want to pour it into somebody, right? It's like, look at this scripture and I'm going to cram it down your throat and that's exactly how you have to do it and that's not without love, right? It may be true. What you're saying is true. If it's in the word, it's true. It's 100% true, but it's not the loving way to do it, right? That's that balance we're talking about, right? We're not, we're not full-blown legalism, but we're not full-blown lawlessness either. It's we're, we're, we're in the center and that fine line, it's a fine line. And guess how you can walk a fine line? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk your Christian faith. You cannot deal with persecution with a smile. You cannot handle your afflictions with a smile. You can't continue to keep walking forward when you don't see the whole picture and you just see the next step. Right? We want to see the whole picture. We want to see the plan. Here, guys, guys, we wouldn't understand the plan. Then we'd want to argue the plan. And he's saving us grief. He's saving us grief because we're not ready for the plan. We're not. So stop thinking you are. You're ready for the next step. And some of you are ready for the next step and you're refusing to take it. Don't put that on God. Don't tell God he's not answering you when you're not moving towards him. Take the step. And even if you don't know where you're stepping, step out in faith. And he will bless your steps. I don't have, I don't have the address on that one, Kurt. I'm sorry, that just came out. That just came out. It wasn't even in the notes, bro. I'm sorry. All right. Going over to verse 15. We're still talking about afflictions here, right? I'm sure you know by now that everyone in the province of Asia deserted me. Ouch. If we're talking to Paul, we're talking about Paul, right? How you've read everything he's done, raising people from the dead, planting churches, I mean, rebuking the other apostles and setting them in line, and then he gets deserted. Well, Jesus had 12 guys that rode around with him for a long time, and he got it. one of them, one of them, betrayed him. They all deserted him. One of them even denied him three times. So this, I, think, I think you can relate, and I don't think Jesus feels bad for him. I really don't. <laughs> but God blessed, um, okay, even Figelis and Hermogenes, right? Those two must have been like, I mean, there are names in the Bible now, for bailing. That's bad. I don't want to, that's, that's pretty bad. But God bless Orph- Orphanaeus, Orphanaeus, sorry guys, and his family. Maybe I'll start making up names like Tim and just say them because they sound cool. Um, many's the time I've been refreshing in that house and he, he wasn't embarrassed a bit that I was in jail. For the first thing he did when I got back from Rome or got to Rome was look me up. May God on the last day treat him as well as he treated me and then there will was all the help he provided in Ephesus, but you know that better than I, and that's because Timothy was with Paul in Ephesus. Fun fact, Paul anointed Timothy for his missionary journey, for him planning that church and for him being a preacher, right? Paul is saying right there, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm, we're tied to the hip now. I'm a, I anointed you. I'm accountable for you. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to abandon you because I'm the one that put you in that position. So he's speaking to Timothy like a son. Right. Just like I don't put my kids in positions. I'm going to abandon them. They may think I'm not there. They may think I'm not coming to get them. They may think I'm not going to try. But some of those are characteristics building. Some of those are lessons learned. Sometimes you've got to let them fall on their face before they'll realize you're right. I got two teenagers in my house and I want them to start their careers right now because right now they know everything, (laughs) right? I want them to get rolling why they're so smart because when you get get over that hump, you realize you don't know anything and it gets rough. (laughs) Now, if Paul is that way to Timothy and I'm that way with my sons, why on earth would our father put us in a position to not support us? Not to give us the power, not to give us the authority, not to give us the path to the journey, not to protect us along the way. Why would he do that? Right? We talked, we, we talked earlier. He's 10 times better father than, than we could ever be. Right? And 10 times probably. I'm probably giving myself some credit for saying he's only 10 times better. Right? All right. Just don't wind up in the Bible ditching Paul. That's rough, man. <laughs> like, Goodness gracious. All right. Now, talked about the afflictions, Right? So Paul is telling him, like, hey, buddy, look, I whatever's coming your way, been there, done that. This guy was flogged. This guy was stoned. This guy was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He gets it. Um, now he's talking about the activities of the church. We're going to roll over to chapter 2, 1 through 3. You, therefore, my sons, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Almost sounds like Kate every morning, every Sunday morning, right? I am teaching you so you can be prepared and take the word out. I may not quoting him directly, but that's kind of the point, right? So here we go. Maybe he got that from 2 Timothy. Maybe he got it from the Holy Spirit. I don't know. All right. So sharing sufferings. Oh man. I don't think, I don't think he's ever shied away from that either. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay, so. There's the soldier thing again, right? Why, is it, why, why do we use soldiers as a reference? Same thing as why we use sports analogies. There's a lot of sports analogies as a reference, to in the Bible. you you, you got to kind of look for them, but they're there. I promise they're there. If you go to Ephesians, right, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. I sat through Mark in the back. I sat through a whole lesson, a whole Sunday school of each of the pieces, and I remember them all explicitly clear. I never forget any of them, but I'll list them later. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and it says it twice, Right, verse ten, it says, "It put on the full armor, God." Then it talks about the armor, God, and then it comes right back and tells you again to put on the full armor, God. Why? Why is that important? Right? Because you can't be a Christian in your own strength. I can't send my daughter out to play the cross without cleats. Can she play without cleats? Yeah, and then she's gonna slip and fall. Right? Can she play without a stick? No. What about a helmet, right? What about the shoulder pads? What about the elbow pads? What about the chest guard? There's some of those things that, what about the mouthpiece? She couldn't even get in the game because she doesn't have the protection to get in the game. You can't walk your life in Christianity without the full armor of God. You can't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. And he doesn't want you to do it in his own strength because his weakness, your weakness, is his strength. Right? All right. And if you think otherwise, guys, you are kidding yourselves. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of his crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He is telling Timothy, he's telling us right there, chew on that. Take it to the Holy Spirit if you don't understand. And trust me, you're going to understand it here in a minute. Right? Guys, you can't go to war and be distracted. You can't have your Christian walk be fulfilled and hang on to unforgiveness. You can't drag along your bucket of sins with you. We talked, Or your, your bucket of self-imposed, unanswered prayers, right? Oh, I asked God for all. Look at my wall. I asked him for all these things. He didn't, he didn't say anything, right? Okay, guys, if you're in a homosexual relationship and you're asking God to bless that relationship, he's not going to do it. He can't. Oh, my gosh, he just said God can't do something. I did. I actually did say that. Let's unpack that for a minute because that's, that's a bold statement, right? There's like, wait, you said God's almighty. God can do anything, right? And we do, we say that. And then we get tripped up in our faith because all of a sudden we realize that. Say that again. We there we go. Thank you. He said he cannot retract his word, right? He cannot lie. And what is his word? The Bible is right there. He can't go against this. He built the earth. He built the laws that govern the earth and the atmosphere, everything. He cannot go against it because it would flaw his entire integrity, the entire system that he built, guys. He will not go back on his word. He cannot lie. He cannot undo things that are in his will. He can't change his mind. That's not how that works. He has to move forward. And Because if he does, if he does any of that, then all this falls apart and all of this for not right? So yes, I did. God, I said, God can't do that. And that's where, that's where we'll get hung up when we get in those frivolous debates with somebody that maybe not a Christian or a Christian light, should I say? And they're like, oh, but if your God was good, then that school shooting would have never happened. He'd have came and stopped it. Well, he could have stopped Adam and Eve from eating the fruit too. He could have, but then would he have really given them dominion? Can you give dominion to somebody and then retract it? No, no, you can't. Then they never had it. Can he give you free will and then govern your life and tell you? No. you got to choose. And do you really want your kids to serve you and obey you because they feel obligated to you and they can't wait till the day they turn 18 to get rid of you? Or do you want them to obey you because they want to and they respect you and they love you and they know, they know that even if they don't understand, even if they don't see it, they know that you're doing the very best you can and they're trying to go in the right direction, the right thing. Which do you want? And if you got to think, if that's what I want, Goodness gracious, guys. What do you think he wants? All right. (laughs) This is funny. (laughs) All right. So back to almost skip the part. This is the athletic thing, the competition, right? Okay, so so here's here's some fun facts that I, I started typing down. I stole these a couple of these um, and then I added to them and then one of them was speaking to me and I was like, really, I don't want to put that in there. But sometimes the only practice we get, right? We talked about fanning into flames, our faith, fanning into flames the gift of our spirit, working on it, and stuff. sometimes as a Christian, all we're doing is checking the box to come to church on Sunday. Sometimes we don't even do that. That's fine. And you're trying to trying to say, okay, hey, I, I pin this up here, but the only exercise you're giving your faith is to jump to conclusions, it's to run your mouth, it's to sidestep your faith, right, to sidestep your actual faith and step into religion, pushing their luck, and ducking their calling. Ow, that last one stung. I was like, do I really got to put that in there? He's like, yeah, you better say it too. <laughs> ducking your calling, right? Speaking from experience on that one, guys. You don't want to be in that bucket, right? You really don't want to be in a belly of a well either. Um, all right, constantly go, keep moving forward. All right, constantly keep in mind Jesus Christ, the Messiah, risen from the dead as the prophesied king, descended from David according to the good news of the gospel that I preach. For that gospel, I am suffering affliction and even wearing chains like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained or in prison. Therefore... I am ready to preserve and stand my ground with patience and endure everything for the sake of the elect God's chosen so that they too may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with the reward of eternal salvation. Okay. Look at this word reward. I want that to sink in for a minute. So that they too may obtain salvation with in addition to, right? He didn't put them in the same line. He didn't put them as the same word. He wanted them to... Obtain their salvation with the reward of eternal glory. Oh, somebody said there's a prize at the end. Amen. Guys, if you're not after the prize, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do we do anything? Honestly, guys, do we do much without some type of reward? I'll be, on, I'll be the first one to say, I don't do anything. I don't do anything without a reward. I do nothing without expecting something. Now, that expectation is the fulfillment of getting to help other people, right? That means the world to me. I don't, I don't need a material thing back. I don't need a monetary gain. I could, get, I could care less, right? My, my, you're not really my middle son, but my second son was making fun of me the, day for, like, the other day. He was kind of taking jabs at me for money management and stuff. I'm like, guys, I do not give a rip about money. I don't. I absolutely don't. He's up here shaking his head. It's not important to me. It absolutely, it's not, it, do I need it to pay bills? Yes. Do I need to put clothes on my back? Yes. Do I need it to, to do things and, and offer blessings? Yes. But, but that is not a desire, right? My job right now for me, it's a struggle because I am struggling to find the fulfillment of giving others, right? I'm in a season of change. The seasons of change aren't easy, right? Seasons of change are not easy. The, the waters will get clear. It'll move forward. And I'm starting to find those avenues that I can fulfill people's life and have interconnections, right? Um, but it's not about the money for me. Right, It's about that sense of fulfillment. And so when I do something, when I go and I pray for somebody, guys, that is just as much a blessing as me or the person I'm praying for. Guys, everything I do when I'm walking in God's will and God's faith is very, very, very rewarding. Right? It's very rewarding. You should expect it to be rewarding. You shouldn't expect it to be miserable. It's not miserable. Some of the stuff you have to go through is miserable, but what the, the, the path to it is not miserable. Right? The rewards along the way are not miserable. It's a blessing. Moving on. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardships, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Oh, there's that part again, right? Okay. We, he can bring us up. We cannot bring him down. It says right there. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Why do you think? When somebody that is way off of their walk in Christ breaks down and calls on the name of the Lord, he shows up. Because his word said he will. And we just got done talking. He can't break his promises. He can't lie. So when you call earnestly on the name of the Lord, he will answer. He will be there. And it says right there that even when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. We can, I, can, I can deny my calling. I can scapegoat it. I can wish it to somebody else, but he can't, right? He's better than I am, way better than I am. Remind everyone about these things. Trying to. Check that box today, right? Um, And command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Work so hard, you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the truth, the word of truth. Whew, that's a lot to unpack on that one. You can ruin those who hear them. Do not be a stumbling block for your brother. Do not be a stumbling block for your brother. If you don't understand what I need, there's a nice couple books you can read, First and Second Corinthians, dig it right out of there. Have at it. All I can tell you is I can give you a perfect example. Um, Use your brother-in-law, or use my brother-in-law. Use your brother for a minute. Okay. So, um, my brother-in-law is in is in rehab. Right. He's he's getting some addictions broke off his life, and we're talking to him a couple times a week. I see him about every other week, and he's anointed, hundred percent anointed guy. When he prays for somebody, you get goosebumps. It's been that way since high school. Fall way outside of his calling, right? To a point of breaking, to a point of picking up the phone and saying, all right, hey, 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 I don't care. Get me out. Your way, not my way. I'll shut my mouth, right? His vice wasn't alcohol, right? Alcoholism is what he turned to. His vice was his pride. Let me get that. The alcoholism was a result of his pride. He could not get out of his own way, right? And someday he'll be up here, he'll tell you all about it. He can tell you a lot more detail than I am. Now, why I'm saying that is so when he went in there, right, guys, and here, fun fact, guys, I have no problem with people that drink, right? I have no problem with people that smoke, right? You're, you're not going to hell for smoking. I don't, I don't like smoking. I don't smoke. I have no problem with alcohol. I have not touched a drop of alcohol since he went in there. It has nothing to do. I don't have an, I don't have an alcohol addiction. I don't have a problem with alcohol. I don't run to it for anything, right? Um, but, but, I cannot be a stumbling block for my brother-in-law. And he has to know that he's in there in isolation. It's easy to break your addiction when you can't touch it. I can. And I got to be a walking testimony for him when he gets out that I can walk a path just like him in there, outside of him with all the temptations, and let it go. And he has to know that that's not important. And he has to be able to see that. Now, his biggest one's not alcohol. His biggest one's the he had to give up the cigarettes, too, when he walked in. And that's a hard thing, right? And this is where I'm saying not being a stumbling block. Okay, so you know what his biggest challenge was for, for breaking that nicotine addiction off him that he told me? He told he told my wife too, go to church Sunday. Think about that for a minute. That's the hardest part of his week. The first probably two months he was there was walking into church Sunday because they had a big smoking area right outside the door entrance to come into church. And every time he got out of that van, he had to walk right through that smoking in the door. And he said, man, it sent chills up my spine every time. Now, were those people being a purpose stumbling block for him? No, no. But it gives you, it gives you mind of what's downwind of you, right? And this goes back to this saying, it's not, I'm using that as an example, right? And that's not for anybody, guys, that's not for anybody, but it is for everybody, right? So he remains faithful in. Where's it about right here? God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Guys, you don't know what's downwind from you. You don't know who's walking through something that's watching you or seeing you or seeing you lose your snot at a gas pump because you don't want to walk in to get a receipt or it's not pumping or somebody side swiped you and you're losing. You, you, you rear-ended somebody on the way to do something good and you're the pastor of a church down the street, and you're like losing your snot, yelling at the guy because he hits you. Right? He didn't do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. You don't want to be a stumbling block, right? You got kids watching. You got people watching. And so, and so do, am I not going to drink the rest of my life? No, that's not, No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I will not be a stumbling block for my brother. I can't. I won't. Guys, it doesn't—it doesn't mean it's a sin for me, but it's a sin for him, right? It's that temptation. We got to think of those things when we talk, when we speak, and everything. Now, I'm not saying don't argue scripture. Like you, you get you get Kurt or Chris or me and or some guys in a room. We'll go at it. We'll 100% go at it about pro-trib, pre-trib, all that stuff. It's fun, but we're not going to sit up here and do it, right? There's a time and a place for it. We're not being a stumbling block. We're sharp. That's iron sharpening iron, right? Our men's group is not a bunch of nice guys bringing in more nice guys, telling them to be nicer. That's not how we work, guys. All right? It's not. Um, Because if you've met our men's group, we're a lot of things. A bunch of nice guys probably not at the top of that list. Um, Sorry, Carrie. (laughs) And who correctly explains the word of truth? Sharing the word of truth, sharing the gospel is a big deal. It's a big deal. You preach the word you don't preach from the word. Let me clarify that a little bit. You, remember me calling it's not a buffet? What do we do with a buffet? We take from the buffet what we want. This is not a buffet. If we preach from the word, we take some feel-good scriptures, we make sure everybody's positive, we make sure those ties are rolling in, that's the part where we get the money, and sorry, it was your fault, man, you rolled right into that. Um, and... And, and we want to make sure everybody's happy. That's preaching from the word. It sounds really good. But that's not what we're supposed to do. That's not what he's telling Timothy to do. He's explicitly telling Timothy not to do that. He gets a little more explicit as we go. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. Dang, guys, it's that serious. Do you, I mean, do you really want to stand on judgment day? and see a whole slew of people that you sent flying in the wrong direction because you were indirectly responsible, because you weren't paying attention, because you didn't avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those would engage it, will produce even more ungodliness or godlessness, right? It's ungodly, more ungodliness is easier for me to relate to. Um, so, And their teaching will spread like gangrene. That's nasty um minus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth. They're straight up called out, right? I mean, golly. Um, saying that the resurrection had already taken place, and they are running the, ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord who knows the, those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. There it is, calling on the name of the Lord again. Now, if you're wondering about this part, of the resurrection, right? Because we're talking about it's Resurrection Sunday. I don't want to confuse some, some, somebody that's um, getting those two terms confused, right? They're, in this scripture, he's talking about the rapture has already taken place, right? That's what they're talking about. The dead have already been resurrected. The dead have risen. They've, everybody's went to heaven, and the people they're talking to are left, right? That's a good way to put a lot of fear in some people. Now, if you're wondering where I'm getting this, the book of 2 Thessalonians explains it all. The whole purpose of that book writ- being written was to, for Paul's rebuke of that statement right there of those two guys, right? So, so go check that out if you're real curious. I just didn't want anybody to get confused The Resurrection Sunday, and he said, wait, the resurrection's already happened, and you said that was bad, and now it's good. Two different things, guys. He's talking about the rapture, the resurrection. When we talk about the resurrection, we're talking about the Jesus Christ. That's why you gotta be careful in those translations, and you, got, you can't just take a scripture. It's what Tim said up here, right? You, gotta, you need to take the whole thing. You need to see where it's coming from and where it's going, and that helps you understand those things. All right, be a clean vessel for Christ. You can be a crystal vase or a trash bin, right? This is the, I'm summing up, 20 and 21 and 22 and 26, so we can get to the end of the chapter. Avoid conflicts with opponents, right? This is something else that you guys will fight in battle <clears throat> when you step out in your Christian walk, especially like if you got somebody that's an atheist or a deitist or a materialist or another ist, Right? <laughs> It's like they got their little pack of scriptures that they're ready to circumvent and jab you with. And you're just trying to share the good news with them. You're trying to share the gospel. And then they make you feel inadequate. And they say you're ill-equipped. And they say, man, I don't know what church you're going to, but that pastor's not getting you equipped. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but you're not reading it right because you're not equipped. If you can't change me from being an atheist, then you suck as a Christian. And if you think you won't get that in your face, trust me, you will. I have. And guess what? God didn't call me to check the scoreboard. God did not call me to make sure that everybody that I spread the word to receives it with a joyful heart and, and turns their life around, calls out to God, and 100% makes it into heaven. It's not what he called us to do. He just called us to share it. If you think I'm wrong, then if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. That's in Matthew 10, 14. You're welcome, Kurt. Got you there, bro. All right. And so that's the thing. If you give them milk and they spit it back in your face, don't worry about cramming solid foods down their throat. Just move on. Right? All right. This is where it gets fun. Chapter 3 of Timothy. But who knows? Hard times will come in the last days. Woohoo! Isn't that fantastic? Paul was beaten, stoned, stabbed, starved, shipwrecked, imprisoned, persecuted, everywhere he went. Not some places. Everywhere he went. Right? Um... And many will turn away from me, and betray and hate each other. With all that Paul endured, how on earth could we say hard times will come? Right? That was Matthew twenty four ten. So you got. Let's look at this. Paul went through all kinds of hell on earth. Right. Went through everything. There were non-believers. Right. There were people. Browbeating them, persecuting them all this time. So why is he telling Timothy? Paul went through the worst of the worst in his walk as an apostle. And Paul said, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. He's not sitting there telling Timothy, oh, my gosh, I did all the hard stuff for you. You're going to have it easy now. You're welcome. It's not what he said. He said, hey, it's about to get real hard. What are, what are we supposed to do with that? What, what, is, what is harder? We got the same types of people. They had homosexuals. We got homosexuals. They have sin. They have sin. They have adulterers. We have adulterers, right? They have alcoholics. We have alcoholics. They said, don't be drunkards. We have drunkards. There's nothing nothing anybody did back then that they're not doing now. So what on earth is Paul talking about? Let's find out. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to other people parents and ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred, they will be unloving and unforgiving, they will slander others and have no self-control, they will be cruel, they will hate what is good, they will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Again, how, how, how is that different? Let's go back and listen to Peter, right? Peter, this is on the day of Pentecost, be saved from the crooked, preserved, perverse, wicked, and unjust generation right? So that's Acts 2.4. If you want to go back and check that out, 2.40, not 2.4. Still struggling with the difference, right? Why is it getting harder for us? Even though they will make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. He's not talking about non-believers. Peter dealt with non-believers. The apostle Paul dealt with non-believers, He's telling Timothy, hey, bro, you're going to be dealing with the people who claim to be believers. You're going to be dealing with the people sitting in your congregation. You're going to deal with the people that are going to church. You're going to be dealing with people that are pointing the same direction in life that you are. That's why it's going to get so hard. Now, the difference is everybody's seen um, the Chosen series or some part of the Chosen series, and they got the fish that's swirling, right? And then you see the fish turn and swim upstream, and another fish turn and swim upstream. That's a really cool graphic, really cool graphic. And it's a perfect graphic for what the apostles were dealing with. Problem with that graphic for us. Some of those fish that turn around, stay turned around, but they're drifting downstream. Those are the ones that's going to make this really hard. Those are the ones that are preaching a message that, okay, hey, Jesus Jesus got resurrected, but the virgin birth, eh, and still holding the congregation, still supporting, still getting puffed up in Christianity, right? Somebody's like, oh, well, the virgin birth was real, but, you know, Jesus was a great prophet, right? It's all peace love. Our religion over here is very peaceful. It very interrelates, right? We're not knocking that Jesus wasn't a thing, but he wasn't the only thing. Right? We got, we got our prophet over here, too, and it's peaceful. Look at this. This is so nice. We love each other. We treat each other great. Everybody's welcome. We're all happy. We help each other. Christianity is not socialistic. It's not how that works. Christianity is explicitly capitalistic. Sorry if that stings a little. Okay? We're in a kingdom, right? We have somebody we're serving to right? Does anybody remember the message of the ten talents, right? The talents, right? We gave one, four, one, two, and five, or something like that. Um, The one that did nothing got his talent revoked and given to the one that did the most. Doesn't sound like socialism to me, but hey, I digress. (laughs) All right, so let's sum up. Second Timothy verses six through eleven. Many will be fooled and deceived when you have something that looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Probably a duck, hopefully. But it's a, the wolves in sheep's clothing, right? It's the people that are pointed upstream that are drifting backwards because it's easier and it looks better and it's socially pleasing, and they get to wear the t-shirts and the cool little bracelets, right? Think about that. Oh, that guy must be a Christian. Did you see the, did you see the John 3:16 bumper sticker? That's a Christian. See him cussing the register, guy out of the register for giving the wrong change? Yeah, I saw that too. Well, I guess that's what Christians do. Because that guy's got to be a Christian, right? Or did he just become a stumbling block? Or did he just buy the car and somebody else put a bumper sticker on there? I don't know. Right? But that's, that's where this gets hard. That's where this gets tricky. And that's why we don't preach from the word. We preach the word. But don't worry, because the frauds will be found out, so endure and you will be rescued. So that means it's going to get easy, right? Absolutely going to get easy. Let's go to verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. Okay, maybe it's not going to get easy. All right, this is where you can't make sure that everybody leaves happy. Right, you will suffer for Jesus Christ, right? But you will endure. Okay? And what does that what does that get us? We talked about prizes earlier. I want him to get back to prizes. I want him to get back to rewards. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the one and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Hey, it's getting a little more positive. Right? It's getting a little more, it's getting a little better. Okay. And this is helpful because this is not Paul speaking right now. This is Matthew. And Here's where I know that he's talking to believers and about believers because you're not telling a non believer to endure. The non believer's not in the race. Why would he, not, why would he need to address a non believer enduring anything? Because he's not trying anything, he's not in the mix. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. Truth is not trendy, guys, and I say this because adults need to hear this more than kids, right? Kids are precious, don't get me wrong. We want our kids to raise right, but kids' mistakes don't have the ramifications or the impact of ours. So if you think your kids are the only one that needs to be learning in Sunday school, you're wrong. You need to be double, triple, quadruple dosing what you think your kids need just to stay on track. Because the opportunities are perilous and more significant for us. Our mistakes matter more. We're going to be more of a stumbling block if we go that route. And our impacts are greater. Right? It matters a lot. And we, are a, we have more stress. We have more strain. We have more distractions. Right? We're supplying their needs. And we're thinking we got it all. We have to handle it all. We got to carry all that yoke. And that's where we get wrong. We don't have to. Right? We're not supposed to. It's not what we're built for. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Guys, the scriptures are holy, right? They're sacred. Don't get hung up on the chapters and verses, right? I want to point that out for a minute because Paul, this, this is the end of chapter three and I want to point this out and stop here for a reason. This is the end of chapter three. This is not the end of Paul's thought, right? This is a letter that he penned. It is one thing. So do not stop at the end of the chapter and think you're done. Those chapters and verses were added in, by the church in 1227 20, AD, okay? And he's right here he's talking about from infancy in the sacred scriptures and he's talking about your salvation, in Jesus Christ, right? And I want to unpack salvation just a little bit for us before I move on to the next slide, right? So you got three tenses of salvation. You got the past tense, you got the present tense, and you got the future tense, right? So if you look at Romans 4 and 5, the penalty of sin was our justification. When Jesus died and rose again, we were broke from the penalty of sin. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And we're going to celebrate that the high heaven next Sunday. Now, the sanctification is being broken from the power of sin. If you guys were in Sunday school, you listened to that guy. that He called out to Jesus, and instantaneously, his addictions were broken. The, the spirits in his head he was battling left because he called out. That is the current tense form. That is the re- separation from the power of sin. And then the future tense is our glorification. It's so when we're out of these fleshly bodies and we're up in heaven, right? And then, then we are broken from the presence of sin. That's how we roll. That is what we mean when we say salvation, right? It is past, present, and future. It is not captive in any given timeline. All right. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word right there. Didn't we just talk about that? Preaching the word, not from the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage. He's calling you to rebuke, correct, and encourage all of those things. You, can't, you just don't get to pray happy prayers for somebody. you got to throw some correction in there and some rebuking in there. If you want to save somebody's life, you better let them know exactly how to do it and not just give them the fruitful stuff because it's not going to work. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves. not even going to say anything. Because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. If you're in that bucket, I am aggravating the snot out of you today. Oh, goodness gracious, guys. Seven churches in the book of Revelations, right? God told five of them to repent. He stood outside of one of them and was knocking to get in. Think about that. You really want to be in that one? I mean, think about think this is the seven churches. The seven churches that he mentions. And we're all in one of those categories. Sorry. Five of them he's telling to repent. These are churches. Two out of the seven. He didn't say to repent. That's the minority, right? Five is the majority. And then one was so bad, he was knocking on the door to be let in. And to unpack that a little bit, look at Revelation 2, 5, 16. 21 and 22. That's chapter 2, verse 5, verse 16, 21 and 22. And chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 19. And if you really want to keep going to verse 20, that's where he's trying to knock to get in. It's, it's, it's sad but funny. Um, oh, goodness gracious. So what are we supposed to do, right? What do we do with all this? We click the right button to change the slide. That's what we do. Um, 2 Corinthians. Corinthians. Chapter 6, verse 17. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Do not touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Kay talked about this last week. He's like, We're gonna not, I'm not going to ask anybody to leave. But trust me, they're going to want to leave when we go down this path. Right? They'll, they'll, they'll filter themselves out. And if you listen to the 15-year history of the church that he gave on, they fil- some people have been filtering themselves out for the last 15 years. Should any of this surprise us? Right? Probably not. You got an apostasy? We might. 2 Thessalonians, do not be fooled by what they say, for that will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He just said it's going to get better before it gets worse, right? He just said more affliction, more suffering, more persecution. That's kind of what he said, right? So what happens to us again? This is really getting grim. This is like everybody's like, I don't even want to stay and eat. I just want to leave now. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. This is Acts 2 17 through 18. That gave me chills just reading it. Think about that. There is going to be just like that curtain got ripped of the veil we can go through now, there's going to be a great divide. There is going to be no doubt what side of the fence you're on. And guys, if you're coming to the side of the fence I'm on, most people aren't going to be over here, and it's going to get kind of rough. But what I am expecting what I know will happen, because I believe my God, and I know He doesn't lie, that why this great apostasy is going, why everybody's losing their ever loving mind, and they have their version of their faith and their religious and all this stuff, I know that my God in the last days will pour out his spirit upon me. Yes. Yes. And you. If you're on the right side of the fence, you can't you can't just sit, right? Trust me, God's going to be telling you to do a lot of things in that time. Holding fast is probably not going to be tough. He's going to be saying, get your butt over there, and then we'll work on holding fast, right? you got to move. So what do do we do? What do we do? What are we supposed to do? All right, two things. Second Timothy, last part of Timothy, and i got one more verse that's going to tie this all together, and I hope it will blow your mind. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness – which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all for eagerly look forward to his appearing. And I eagerly look forward to that appearing, guys, eagerly. And so there's mention of a crown right there. There's a reward, a reward, and reward. That's the one Paul is expecting, right? He's expecting it. One of, one of the most mightiest apostles are is expecting a reward. He's sitting in prison saying, hey, bro, I'm going to get that crown when I get up there. And so are you and anybody else that follows this path. There's other crowns mentioned in the Bible, right? Probably want to open it up and go find those for yourself. Now, I'm going to tie this together, which is wild. If I can remember where I'm at, I'm losing my voice, and that's perfectly okay. Cade closed with a scripture last Sunday, right? And we're going to close with that same scripture today. And then I got one more thing right after that. But Psalms 128, if anybody remembers from last Sunday, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what is in your hands, have worked, what your hands have worked for. You will be happy and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like young olive trees and your table. In every way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. Now, here's one thing for these, this is women too, right? Because, because, We talk about having our man card as men, right? We joke about that in our men's group sometimes. And we just got done reading the scripture. It's still up there behind me, right? Um, People are going to be pouring out their spirit on both men and women, right? It's not a different thing. Oh, bless your heart, man. Here's the thing. You can rebuke the devil. You can rebuke the things that are falling against you. You can pray. You can walk that line. But one thing, let me just say that here. I got a simpler way to say this, right? Doug knows exactly where I'm going with this. If you got a demon in you right now, come up here. We can cast that out. If you're full of yourself, you're welcome to come up here. We can't cast that out. You can't cast out flesh. Flesh has to be crucified. Let that sink in for just a minute. Anybody who is trying to do this on their own, Anybody whose pride's getting a little bit of the way, anybody that's too tough to realize they're weak, I want you to stand up with me right now. There's got to be somebody in here. I'll stand up. I have it done t- all the time, guys. Myself is the only thing that gets in the way. I am the only thing. I am my own stumbling block. We had, we about two or three Sundays ago, we had three guys come up here and, um, I don't remember why they came up here. I just remember what we prayed over those guys was to break their pride off, break trying to carry the load themselves, trying to carry the yoke themselves, trying to get it done in their way, trying to get it done in their will, trying to pray for their will from God. Praying for what they want in their life. God cares what you want. I care what my sons want, but I'm going to give them what they need. So if you need to start flipping that around, if you need to pray for God's will, if you need to pray for God's calling on your life, and sometimes it's not God, do something with me, it's God, get me ready for your use. The whole men's group know I went through that. Guys, I am not the same guy that walked in here two years ago. I'm not even the same guy that stood up here two months ago. Everybody that's standing right now, Lord, just everybody bow your head, Lord. We are just going to put it all on you, God. We're going to lift you up, Lord. We understand that we're laying it down right now. We understand that we are the head of our households. We are the head of our families. Lord, we understand that there are obligations and accountability and responsibilities you put on us, Lord. But we also understand that that is in your grace. It's your power. The grace you have for me. God's grace is enough, is what you told Paul. God's grace is enough to give you the power that we need to walk through this life, to walk in your calling, and walk in your will, and we put desire beside ourselves, our own desires, Lord. We're done doing it our way. It's not working. It's not functioning. We're not walking in your calling. We're walking in what we think you want for us that we're willing to do, but we're not willing to go all the way, and we break that right now, Lord. We are willing to go all the way with you. We are willing to answer the calling. We are willing to take that step in faith, not knowing what the whole picture is, but knowing what that next picture is, Lord. And I just, I just bless these men and these ladies in here, and anybody that's not standing up, Lord, that is battling this, that wants to know just what you have in store for them, Lord. Just scream it at them in Jesus' name. Let them know. Let them be undeniable. Hit them from so many directions, what they're supposed to be doing, that they're begging for a well to come swallow them up and spit them out, to just reconfirm. I want it to be that undeniable in these men's lives, Lord. And I thank you for this word you've given today. I thank you for the patience, Lord. I thank you for everything that you've done and everything you continue to do in this body, which is Christ. In Jesus' precious name, we give it all to you. Amen. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.